This evening, we are in the north of England. It's realism on screen. It's social commentary on screen. It's dank and it's a little bit grim. It can only be Ken Loach. <laughs> we, also look at the f we also look at the Far East meeting the Wild West way before anybody ever heard of Jackie Chan or Owen Wilson. And we end up with a film that briefly threatened, very briefly threatened to make swords and sandals a viable genre again. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Little Maker Like They Used To. We are broadcasting from Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. My name is Tosin, and I will be your host for the next hour and a half as we go through the back vault of Hollywood history to find out what gems they have to offer us. Now, in with me in the studio is Sean. How you doing, Sean? Hi, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm real good, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how's the day been for you? Yeah, it's been a pretty good day. I've... Uh... I played a bit of sports today. I played a bit of badminton today. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was Where was that? Good. Oh, that was up um, up Carisbrook. So up there in the sports hall at Carisbrook High School. Okay, cool. Gotcha. So, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. I was thinking there's a sports centre in Carisbrook. <laughs> yeah. I would see the sports centre in Carisbrook. So, um, yeah, no, it was good. I was I was quite pleased with my performance. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Thinking. A bit Ooh. creaky, a bit slow, but okay, it no. comes with age, I guess. Here's the thing. Who were you? What was the age of the person you were playing against? Well... The age of the person I was playing against was probably uh, what, a 35-year-old and a 50-year-old, and I was playing with a 68-year-old. So we were playing like... Okay, pairs. okay, cool. So, okay. so yeah, so that, it, was just, it, was, it was pretty cool, really. That isn't, that isn't that bad, because one of the films we're going to talk about today, and you were talking about earlier, has a scene where somebody is... Someone is essentially <laughs> being a bit of a bully in the sport and, and, and in a school setting, and I was just wondering whether you were doing something similar, <laughs> whether whether you were channeling this character or not. All right, cool, good stuff, man, good stuff. Well, I'm glad that you've had a good day. I've had a bit of a no motivation, can do anything day, so I'm glad you're here. Oh, that's good. That's I'm glad good. you're here because that means that maybe I can feed a little bit off you, and <laughs> maybe you're going to be doing a lot more of the talking this okay. <laughs> the show today. And now we're gonna uh, to explain a little bit about what happened on this show we talk about old movies we talk about movies made before 1980 we kick off first of all by talking about a bona fide classic this is a film that is widely recognized if you go online and you look up a website called rotten tomatoes this film will have they have well rotten tomatoes is a website that rates films and it's, it gets satisfies them fresh or not <laughs> and it gives them like you know a percentage of how fresh this film is a hundred percent means awesome brilliant film and um but Anything over 50 is seen as good. All the films that we'll be talking about as a bona fide classic, you go and look at them on bona fide to, oh, Rotten Tomatoes, they're probably going to have over 70%. They're going to be satisfied over 70% fresh. So we will kick off with a bona fide classic. Uh, we usually have a patient interview, but I'm sorry I wasn't able to make it in due to my pre-mentioned low motivation problem. And um, th then we will go on to uh, Hidden Gem, a film that has not had its day in the sun, but we think this is still a great film. It will still get loads, of, it, will, it will still get good ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. It would still be, people would still say it's good, but not many people know about it. Like hardly anybody has ever seen this film. And we're gonna, we picked what looks like a very good film to you for today for you for that. And we will end up the show with an exception to the rule. Our rule is they don't make them like they used to. So we will pick a film that's made after 1980 that still, against all odds, manages to be awesome. And we have picked another good one for you today. Anyway, um, 
that's what it is. That's what we're going to be doing. But Sean, today, as we you mentioned earlier that Sharon isn't around, we usually have Sharon <laughs> with us. We do. And we brought, uh, remember when Sharon first started on this show, I, mean, I always commented that it's a good thing that Sharon came here because it, 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 it leavened out, leavened out the sort of testosterone in the room yeah, a little yeah. bit. So we, <laughs> we, got a, we got a better variety of movies. We got movies that maybe were a little bit softer. And Sharon, this is what happens when you're not here. <laughs> right, so Sharon... <laughs> So, yeah, you are to blame. <laughs> you are to blame for the testosterone-filled mess that's going to fill up the next hour. <laughs> uh, but so, and Sean, so we picked. These are films that you've picked that you said. Okay, these are films that I actually reckon great, great bona fide classic, great, um, great hidden gem. Would you like to tell us what the first film we shall be talking about today will be? Okay, this film. Um, it can only be Ken Loach, can't it? Is a uh, is a nineteen sixty nine film called Kez. And it is rated, it's ranked seventh on the British Film Institute's top ten. So mm-hmm. it's number seven, and it is among the top ten. Is, so is that is that seventh on the British films of all time? Top or, ten. Or, or just yep. films, full stop no, all time? This film is ranked seventh in the British Film Institute's top ten British films. Oh, top ten British, British films. films. Okay, yeah. cool, gotcha. So, so yeah, so it's, uh, it's obviously, I'm, I'm sure most people of my age would have seen this film at one time or another because... Um, it's based on a book, Kestrel for a Knave. Yep. And we used to do that for uh, when we was at school. So that it was, was one probably of the like Engl- English, English literature. Yeah, English mm. literature. So, yeah, Ken Loach, Kez, uh, terrific movie. Mm-hmm. I think you might have a, a little clip from. Well, we will do. We will get to that. Okay. But I think Ken Loach, he's riding high at the moment. He is. He's yeah. riding high at the moment because one of his his latest film, I Daniel Blake, has just won the the. Palm Door, the Cannes Film Festival, like one of the prestigious things, which makes him one of the few people to have won the film, won that award twice. So they say in the entire festival, this is the best film that was there. Oh my god, this film is just amazing, and it's been getting rave reviews. And it's but it but the film itself, it kind of like has it 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 seems even from the synopsis, it it touches on quite a few of the Ken Loachy things because yeah. it's about a man who doesn't have a job and it's about him and about his fight trying to get a job and all that kind of stuff. So you were around when Ken Loach came to prominence. You said this was this was his second film in 1969. Yeah. And you were around, you were into films. And he's, so it's almost, as we said, like, you know, there's a couple of things that you get from <laughs> Ken Loach. You talk about the realism. You talk about the social commentary. You talk about the usually set up north. And, yeah, usually. And they're usually set up north and they're usually grim. Let's be, uh, like, they, they, they don't, they have quite a so oh, you say almost downbeat view of yeah like, so, very very gray austere yeah yeah you know, like you, you could say oh they didn't have much the people not, who not were much, filming yeah. don't have much money and the people and, who are filming don't have much money to make this film and not many prospects either yeah you know the people didn't have any prospects so and i mean as i actually grew up in this area and i mean you'd had the swing in 60s but as it got into the late 60s and the early 70s it yeah. was very you know oil prices raged it was very you know, a lot of unemployment, yeah, especially up north because you know some of the mines that were sort of closing down. Yeah, there wasn't so much this, this, this was before it was yeah. before um, the heyday of Margaret Thatcher and before the eighties and before, but it was leading up to it. <laughs> yeah, it was leading up to it. Yeah. So I mean, th- this was something that happened. This was before before Margaret Thatcher. He did make up the films when Margaret Thatcher did. Yeah, come to power as well, but we can maybe talk about them later. But no, this was, and I think with this film, it was just like. Oh, I, I suppose coming from the more affluent South, it wasn't quite as bad, but nearly as bad, especially the school, because a lot of this film takes place at school. Mm-hmm. You know, the young lad is at school. And uh, obviously in those days, it was what they want to go to now was the 11 plus. So you go to grammar school. Mm-hmm. And um, 
after you've taken this 11 plus you either went to grammar school or they had these secondary moderns or, or comprehensive schools which basically were you know there's a lot of bullying going on the teachers were basically bullies you know, yeah and it was and it was very much very much that sort of you know atmosphere really yeah, okay time. okay you're, you're you're kind of going into my second question but, if, but, but if we could just go back to the so what made ken loach stand out was it that was nobody else making films like this or I, about this subject at yeah, that time or something yeah i think because because of the subject matter obviously it caused a lot of controversy because most of the things you saw on tv or on film were very much you know sanitized like yep. oh yeah jolly 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 good and <laughs> this actually brought some realism and i think He's probably the first British director to use swearing in films because, you know, it was... The, and, I mean, it's basically, it's real life. You know, you'd had all these, what I'd call, not unrealistic films, but, you know, sort of glossy, glossed over type of films. Oh, the kind of, the sort of glamour. It's the, all about yeah, glamour. You know, you it's about stuff, a, yeah. a nice, better like escapism mus- musicals, thing. Musicals, yeah. And so this was like, this is a social commentary on our country. This is what's happening, you know, especially up in the, the Northern District. You know, there's lots of unemployment. There's lots of poverty. There's, you know, it was a very, very very uh, austere time really and and so this sort of brings it all home and I, even with the northern dialect I think works it makes it work even more because oh. you know uh, so yeah <laughs> okay because uh, alright I came to this well I was born here but I grew up in Nigeria and I came back in 1996 and I started learning more about like you know well, English culture and you, you pick these things up as a like being a bit of an outsider and you had this whole idea, and it's almost kind of like a catchphrase in itself. Or, oh, it's grim up north. It's, it's grim up it's, north. It's yeah. grim up north, and it's just kind of like you know, grim up north. And it's and it seems like I'm not sure whether Ken Loach's films, like for instance, a film like Kess, came out of that, or whether it actually helped create that idea. No, they 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 came out of that, and I think a lot of the the people he used in his movies, yeah, were actually you know local yeah. local people so where he went to a certain area to film whether it be Yorkshire or Barnsley yeah um, you know it, he would he would use the people because that's what give it the realism and I think um, if let's just say if they did change the accents or if they said you know all oh, you need we need to change your accent so people can understand it I don't think it would have affected the people as well you know they, yeah, yeah. It, it would have sort of changed that it would have it would have changed the performance and it would yeah, change the realism the of it um, oh. yeah Okay, so having said all that, we haven't actually spoken about what this film's about. So, <laughs> so can you give me a little bit of uh, a little bit? What is the basic story of Kess? Okay, the basic story is that uh, there's this lad. is he's not really loved. He's put down by his parents, and that he's got no hope. It's very much, but he finds this kestrel, and mm-hmm. he decides that he actually is going to train this kestrel, and he and he helps train the kestrel, and he it sort of focuses on. And there's one bit. There's a there's a bit where. He wants to talk in school about his kestrel, you know, like they have the show and oh, tell, like show or, and tell kind of thing, yeah, yeah. Type, type of thing. And he's just really, really, you, you know, he's, he's really enthusiastic about this, and he's telling the story. And the the teacher actually says, "Oh, that was absolutely brilliant. That was that was excellent." And he like doesn't know, you know, like some people they can't take compliments. Can yeah, they? he just doesn't. He's like, oh, you know, someone said something nice about me because he's just been hammered from everywhere, from teachers. From, yeah, and he's got a brother who's a bit of a. You know, just bullies him all the time anyway. And it's pretty nasty to him. So yeah, but he, he manages to focus on this this kestrel and and actually brings him out of himself a little bit. So the film basically is this lad's journey from you know being I, I guess you know no self esteem, pretty feeling pretty worthless, to actually thinking I found something that I can do and 
You so found something that yeah, can, found that can be good at. Yeah, so I found something that I can be good at, you know, and, and it gives him a little bit of uh, until the sad end. But hey. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, we got so. Yeah. I think this film is fa- is famous enough that it's it's yeah it, I, I'm sure I think everybody it's, it's would famous, have seen it. It's famous enough. I haven't seen it, but oh. but I know it has a sad mm. ending. I know it has a sad ending, and uh, I know of because what you say it's, it's essentially it's a film in which the th- this boy has this stuff and there's like there's pretty much no hope. No hope. There's, yeah. there's like no hope, and then this is like a chink of is is like. A little bit of hope comes yeah. into his life. A little bit of, oh my word, maybe there's a way out. Maybe there's hope for something. And for for everything I've gathered, essentially, the film comes up with, no, this is real life. This is no fairy tale. <laughs> We're going to extinguish that hope as well. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. That's that's a so I, I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say that like it's. Uh, we'll leave it up to you when you're listening to figure out exactly what that means that the hope gets extinguished, but the hope gets extinguished. And okay, so we have a clip of the film to play. We have a clip of the film to play, and this touches a bit on like the social commentary. You said it's set a lot in school. School, yeah. Yeah, it's um, you spoke about the fact it was filmed in. It's set in Yorkshire. Yorkshire, it's set, yeah. It's also in Yorkshire, and yeah. it's and there's a there's a very it's, they use a Yorkshire dialect when they're speaking, yeah. and they don't they don't try and tone it down or anything like no, that. No, no, no. I, I think um, of you were mentioning earlier, and I think I read it on Wikipedia that that they had problem they had problems taking this film to America because American distributors, because the way the movie industry works, you have to have a company that says, we will take this film and we will put it in this many places around the country. And, and if, and the distributor, because it's a business, they look at it and they go, Oh yes, we think that we can definitely make money from that. So we're going to take that film and we're going to put in all this and we have a business model that's going to make money. And the Americans sort of like looked at Cass and they heard the access and they went, I think they said it would be easier for us to sell a film in Hungarian <laughs> than it would be to sell this film to America. So it, it had issues. So the the accents might take a little bit of getting used to. But before this film, before this clip starts, Sean, you just want to explain what happens um, yep. like at the, at the point that we come into the film, what happens? Okay. So basically what's happened, Casper, who's the, the, the name of the lad, and a couple of other lads, they've been called to the headmaster's office. Mm-hmm. Now, in those days, everybody used to smoke. I mean, no, you, you could go to the shop. I mean, this is how bad it is. When I was at school, there was a shop called Retford's, and you could go in and the lady in the shop would open a packet of cigarettes and sell you one for 5p. She'd, she'd like <laughs> do individual. And we used to go in the, there was a swing park, like, so I used to hop over the fence and we'd go into, well, we used to call them a swing park, like children's playground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just, and we'd all sit there and then someone would keep watch and everybody <laughs> would have a, have, a, have a fag, you know, and someone would have like a little, uh, you know, those those uh, matchbooks, you know, the little yeah, yeah, flippy yeah, yeah, matchbooks, yeah, yeah. not a box of matches because yeah. they would rattle and you couldn't, so you had to have them like, and we'd all be going, <laughs> and trying to like, and like <laughs> bingo, bingo. <laughs> so it would all be, and then we'd, we'd go, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, so and also you you're know, making it sound like a, like a proper spy <laughs> spy yeah, setup that you had. Yeah, to. well, I, I mean, you had to be in those days because I mean, you had the cane, you had the slipper. Yeah, I mean, I got slippered a, a couple of times because mm-hmm. I used to. I mean, we were streamed at school, and I used to uh, I used to be quite good at maths, and mm-hmm. everybody used to borrow my book and oh, copy all, all the, the answers, copy all the answers, yeah. and yeah. and I remember is in the maths lesson one day he goes, right. Harris Linkston whiffing, get up here now. And it, we were at the front there and he goes, right, I don't know who's who, but I want to know who's been copying. And he goes, because <laughs> apparently I'd got two wrong answers. And he said, I can understand 
people getting wrong answers, but not, not the same right wrong answers. <laughs> it's exactly the same. So we got the slipper for that. And, yeah. and I remember our mates were sort of looking through through this little. They obviously someone had got on someone's shoulders. It's just yeah. like you see in Grange Hill or something. And yeah. I was looking over and sort of laughing and pointing <laughs> the finger and stuff. And I'm. Like, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, back to the film. Um, so yeah, this what what's happened? They've been called to the headmaster's office and they're mm-hmm. going to see the headmaster. Yeah. And then a little lad comes along and all he's got is a message from a teacher. Yeah. But the headmaster turns up and he goes, right. Well, before that, they give him all the cigarettes. They say, oh look, you know, you're going to be all right. You take the cigarettes because oh, I don't want to, I don't want to. So they threaten to punch him. So he takes all so everyone's the, so the cigarettes. Little, yeah. Yeah. So the little kid ends up taking, <laughs> taking the cigarettes and putting yeah, them in his, his pocket. pocket. Yeah. yeah. Looking after him, hoping that he's going to just say the message and then yeah, clear be, off. Because he has he hasn't been sent there. <laughs> no, he, he hasn't, hasn't been sent there for anything wrong. Because he hasn't it's been just, in trouble. It's just a teacher has sent him with a message. Yeah. Yeah. But but then so when we come in the headmaster yeah. I think what's his name? Oh, I can't remember the headmaster. Is, is, is it Mr. Grice or something? Mr. Yeah, Grice, Grice, yeah, Grice, yeah, yeah Rice. I think they call him Grice. Oh, okay. But anyway, but uh, yeah. So so, so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just, just just finish off. So, but he doesn't give this lad a chance to speak. So yeah. it's just yeah, go in there. Okay, go. For okay, it. and so and this is the point at which we jump into the film where the headmaster shows up, tells everyone to get into his office, and this is a little bit of the kind of social commentary things that like you know that Ken Loach is known for but um, yeah have a listen some fist if you don't I hope he's here Grice Budding single file right you lost man on your way form room you locked inside Same old faces. Same old faces. Ten years this school's been opened, and ten years have we seen after every assembly a line of boys here, and the same old faces. Say, I've got to Shut up, man. Don't interrupt. I've got the door. I've taught in this city for over 30 years. I taught some of your parents. Your father, McDowell. In the old slum schools in the city, before they built this fine estate and this wonderful school. Things are no better now than they were then. I just can't understand this generation. I thought I knew something about young people. I should be able to, you know, with my experience. But with you, no. It just seems a complete waste of money and a waste of time. Like it's a waste of time talking to you now. Why are you listening? Are you McDowell? Yes, sir. No, you're not. Crossland, you're not listening, are you? No, sir. No, you're not. None of you are listening. Look at that glazed expression on your faces. You never listen. Yours is the generation that never listens. Because we can never tell you anything. You're the sophisticated ones. With all your music and your gear. But you know, it's superficial. It's a sheen. And there's nothing solid or worthwhile underneath. Why do I know this? Why do I know there's been no advance in discipline or decency or morals or manners? Why do I know it? Because I still have to use this to you boys every day. Why? Mr. Bryce is now holding In up the a 20s cane. And 30s, I could understand it. They were hard times, but they produced qualities in people that you lot will never have. I can be stopped in the street by someone I taught then. And we'll talk about the old days. And we'll laugh about the thrashings that I gave him. But what do I get from you lot? 
greasy, pimply-faced youth sitting at the wheel of a big second-hand car? I don't know. I just don't know. No guts. No backbone. Nothing to commend you whatsoever. Mere fodder for the mass media. And so, until someone produces a better solution, I'll continue to use this cane. Knowing fully well that you'll be back for it time and time and time again. You smokers will go out of here with your hands ringing. But will he stop you smoking? You're already looking forward to smoking a break? You look, what are you grinning about? Not grinning, sir. You are? I bet you're already thinking about smoking a break. Empty your pockets. They're loaded with cigarettes. Come on, all of you, empty your pockets. Please, sir, um... Quiet, lad, empty your pockets. Say you don't understand. Empty your pockets, lad. Disgusting. Please, sir, don't... You again? You again? Sir. Empty your pockets. But, sir, I've brought a message for Empty you. your pockets. I don't believe it. I don't believe this. Empty your pockets, lad. Empty your pockets and you're told. Come on, lad. Ah. A regular little cigarette factory, aren't you? Sir. Pull that rubbish away. going to be a lesson to you. I don't suppose for one minute it will be. I don't doubt before the end of the week you'll be back in here again for exactly the same crime, smoking. Perhaps once in a while it might sink in. Sir. That you're wasting your money. That it's your money that you're burning. And it's your hands that get caned when you come in here. And as we leave all the kids there with tears in their eyes because they've just received two canes each on both hands from Mr. Bryce. Mr. Grice. I think. Mr. Grice. Yeah, yeah, Mr. That's Grice, Grice. That's it. Yeah, yeah Grice pudding is what they yeah, called him. Yeah, that's what they called him. Right. I, I noticed that it was number 10 cigarettes. I know the pack, I just because obviously. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The cigarettes he had was number 10s. Yeah. They used to be number 6 and number 10s. I, I think they were players. I can't remember what happened, but those were like the cheap, cheap fags that kids would buy. That's these terrible, are, isn't it? These are the fags for kids. And these yeah. Are the yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's really, I mean, in those days, I mean, totally different now, but in those days, I mean, most, most parents would smoke, you know, smoking was an acceptable thing. Yeah, you see. smoke everywhere, you yeah, smoke, smoke in the everywhere. house, smoke yeah. around the kids and everything like that. Yeah, so, but it's a good thing, so they don't these days. Yeah, and so when that when that came out, that scene seems to be, was that scene a, sh a shocking one at the time? Because in in 69, was it because like, was this shocking because the kids were getting caned or what, what was happening then? Well, I think the cane was accepted, but what's, what's about that particular scene is because they actually they did it for real. Ken Loach told them to hit their hands for real. So yeah, and you can actually see the the sheer sadness and tears on their 
on, on the their kids faces, faces yeah. yeah and um yeah i mean schools were like that they they could dish out the cane or the slipper um oh only the headmaster could dish out the cane but teachers could slipper you if they wanted to you know and that was yeah slipper <laughs> because crazy, I, I, isn't it? well thing is i grew up in nigeria right yeah. i grew up in nigeria where the cane is liberal and the thing is oh, so they could use it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. things i don't i haven't been in a primary school in nigeria for years but i mean when we we're growing up and that was this is we're talking the 80s 90s all the way through secondary school i mean the cane was used and and it was seen as this is how you discipline kids and it's a controversial thing to say, but I agree. <laughs> I'm like, because I I, I... I think the problem there, though, Toes, is that sometimes I think some teachers could be a bit... Yeah, bit, I ag- you, you know, and I mean, they could do it. No, I'm, I agree I'm sure with there you. was some I agree with were you. pure, you know... We, we, had teachers, yeah. we had teachers who were sadists. Yeah, sadists. The, the, yeah. You had teachers who were sadists or teachers who have something going wrong in their own lives and they take it out on the kids. kids you, yeah. You, yeah, you had that. But the truth is that you have that whatever method you do. And yeah. I personally feel like, because I remember coming over from Nigeria and coming into an A-level college in the, in this country and, and going into the school and being shocked at the absolute lack of discipline that was, yeah. that was there. Yeah. And being like, and the fact that teachers, students would be swearing at teachers and I'm like, I'll get you killed back yeah, home. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's, and I just, and the thing is like the teacher would beat you and, if you went back home and if you told this, if you told your parents, oh, I got beat to my teacher, they'll be like, okay, why? Oh, I swore the teacher. The, the parent will give you another yeah, one. <laughs> like, just like, what yeah, the heck yeah. are you doing swearing at, like, swearing at the teacher? But oh, when I got to the school, I was just like, I was shocked. Yeah. I was, I, because I feel like, okay, maybe people have said, okay, a couple of, uh, like, you know, there were teachers who took it overboard and it became like, you know, just really, really sadistic and all that kind of, but it wasn't replaced with anything effective. No, I, I, I mean nowadays, like that scene, that would that well, yeah, obviously the cane wouldn't be there. But if if you told a lad to turn out his pockets, they'd say, "They'll yeah, say, they would, yeah, F no, off. yeah, F <laughs> off, exactly." Quite, quite frankly, yeah. And it's and uh, and so that's it. So I, I personally, I look at that scene and I can understand how people. And I do feel like, and there is especially as I said, there's another scene in this film with yep. a football teacher. I showed you. Yeah, you showed, <laughs> you showed me to sleep with the football teacher, and the guy is just a bully. He's yeah. <laughs> He's, he's, he's just a bully and that's the kind of person who you don't want to ever give a cane to and all that kind of stuff and sure enough you you you, you had that but I, I guess like that's what the I know that Ken Loach being a socialist and everything like that and see being a bit more liberal probably thinks that the cane should never have been used I agree that there's some people who should never be allowed mm. <laughs> who should never have been allowed to but I still think look it is when it's used it's a deterrent I yes guess. when it's used by a sensible person it's a very effective deterrent and I just felt like I just felt like the wrong thing was done there but Kes final words final on Kes. word on Kes Kes just a, a, a great social commentary of the times um, really nice story as well some great characters and it's it's, it's it's a really great movie of the time and I think you know it stands a test of time as well even though it's it takes place in the the 70s you know it, it's still very poignant today i think well yeah because i mean when you're describing it there's bits of it that there's bits of it that made me think billy elliot billy elliot billy yeah, elliot is yeah a, is a, it's sure. kind of like it's kind of like it's in the same vein mm. only that it it doesn't extinguish the hope yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is why it's been made into a musical. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what a Ken Loach musical would look like. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there probably will be one eventually. I'm, I think there might be one. I think, the, there, I, think yeah, there, I think there might be there might be a musical out there that is, releases Ken Loach, but I cannot. 
I, I can't put my finger on why I think that. But okay, so that's it. Cast for Ken Loach. All right, now we go into the section of the show where we talk about a hidden gem, a film that not many people have heard of, but is awesome anyway. Now, Sean is our <laughs> resident Western expert, yeah. and if Sean's going to choose, uh, I don't know, let's say 10 films for you to go watch, <laughs> at least six of them are going to be Westerns. So, <laughs> it's like, so Sean, we asked you to pick a, a, like a hidden gem as well today. Sharon, remember, this is your fault. <laughs> so, like, and so would you like to tell us what film it is that you've chosen? Okay, this film is really... <laughs> A couple of weeks ago we did the magnificent seven didn't we, we yes did the we magnificent did. seven show which another western so obviously a creature of habit <laughs> i do apologize <laughs> to you guys if it's just a westerns and any ladies that are listening i mean there must be some lady western fans but anyway this film contains uh, one of the actors from seven samurai mm-hmm. and one of the actors from yeah. magnificent seven yes it okay. does yeah and it's um <laughs> it's a 1971 film uh it's a western with samurai in and it is called red sun Red Sun. Red Sun. Now, okay. Now, you told me about this. I went to have a look about this. And not all I had was the title. I didn't even know anything about the film. I looked it up and I realized, oh, it's a Western. I was like, oh, it's a Western. Oh, big surprise. <laughs> Sean chose it, of course. Of course, there was a very, very high chance there was going to, it was going to be a Western. So I went into Wikipedia and started reading about this. And okay. Let, I'm just good, and so if you will, like, if you just, I'm going to read. I'm going to try and make it no, not just. A, I'm going to put like a better voice on, as opposed to just a boring reading voice, to read what it says in the first couple of cha- paragraphs on the Wikipedia page. So it says, "Red Sun" is also known as "Soleil Rouge," which is "Red Sun" in French. It's a it's a 1971 French Italian Spanish <laughs> Western film with an international cast. It stars U.S.-born actor Charles Bronson. Japanese actor so Charles Bronson from Magnificent Seven, Seven, Toshiro Mifune from Seven Samurai, which I think I just already it begins to sound. This is a great idea. Is French actor Alain Delon and Swiss actress Ursula Andress, who is <laughs> who is best known as Honey Rider from Doctor No, Doctor no yeah, from the first of a James Bond movie. It was filmed in Spain by the British director Terence Young. It was released in the U.S. in 1972. Now we get to the plot of this film. It says Link Stewart, which is Bronson, is a ruthless outlaw and co-leader, uh, and co-leader along with Gauche, that's Alain Delon, of a gang of bandits. Link and Gauche lead the gang on a successful train robbery and discover that one of his cars carries a Japanese ambassador who is bringing a ceremonial katana, which is a sword, as a gift for President Ulysses S. Grant of the United States. Ghosh takes the sword and kills one of the two samurai guards while members of his gang attempt to murder Link by throwing dynamite into the train car he occupies, then leaving him for dead. The surviving Japanese delegation rescues Link and the ambassador instructs him to assist the surviving samurai guard, Kuroda, who is Mufune, Mufune. in tracking down Ghosh so that he may kill him and recover the sword and his honor. Kuroda is given one week to fulfill his task or commit seppuku, which is the honor, the honor, yeah, Harry the, yeah, Harry Kiri, where yeah. the where the samurai kills themselves because they um because they brought on they uh, failed they failed that is the way of that's the way of regaining their honor yeah so Link reluctantly agrees but he realizes that Kuroda will kill Ghosh immediately before he is able to extract the location of the stolen loot Link repeatedly attempts to elude Kuroda only to be thwarted by the irrepressible samurai. <laughs> now, that already sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, so that already just, that, that I read that and I think, 
that that sounds awesome even the poster is majestic because the poster is one of these old school 70s posters where everybody's hand drawn and it just looks like you know it looks like the avengers in the west it does it really <laughs> does yeah you have yeah you have Isla andres there with like a shotgun alan dillon looking all nice and and all french and done up in his back <laughs> stuff with his gone bronson looking like and tushi mufune just looking like you know the dawn this just looks like an awesome film. It is an awesome film. It's it's a great film, and it's a film that doesn't. I mean, it doesn't seem to ever come on TV lately, and I, I'm yeah. not sure if I've even seen a DVD on it. So, but um, yeah, that was when I saw this movie. It was actually on TV, and it wasn't wasn't at the cinema. This one, but this was yeah. there used to be a series. Alex Cox used to do this series of films on a Monday night called Movie Drone. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember that, that? on oh, BBC yeah. BBC Two? And, I think and it he was put on films. Yeah, BBC Two, and yeah, and. I, obviously, uh, being a movie fan, I watched that, and this was this was Red Sun was on, and I was like, "Whoa, this is just so cool!" Because I mean, I like Mifuni as a as an actor. I think he's brilliant in whatever yeah. he does. I I, I haven't, haven't even seen him in a bad part. I mean, I thought he played a great part in Tora 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 as well. Yep. Um, so everything he does, I think, has been been brilliant. Very versatile actor, and uh, yeah, it's good. You were saying about the that he keeps trying to escape, and there's there's some great moments in this film because that's yeah. how it starts off they go on a journey and he, he tries all these ways of escaping so and I'm guessing from that point it kind of turns into a sort of like a buddy cup it's buddy a, cup yeah, movie yeah, road trip movie and there's one bit where Charles Bronson sort of says okay come on then we fight each other and he's got like the boxing stance and then you know he sort of says put your fists up put your fists <laughs> up anyway he swings so he swings at Mifuni obviously and uh, they know martial arts don't they so yeah. he sort of goes a few tumbles and yeah gradually they end up sort of um respecting each other but I think Delon plays an absolute brilliant part in this as well I think they all they they all fit their parts you know and they fit their parts really really well yep so anyway so they get together and they they find a couple of the gang that tried to set him up and sort that out but then uh, the story at the end of the film when we talk some other stuff is obviously there's got to be Indians isn't there and you've got you've got Comanches you've got Comanches which and the Comanches are like the the you know, worst Indians ever. Apparently, yeah. Like the well, the way that the way that they put them, that they were, they were the most vicious. They were, <laughs> they, the, they, yeah, were the, <laughs> they were. They were more feared. I mean, people know the Sioux and the Cheyenne and the Apache, but apparently the Comanche were like the nastiest. Yeah. And so they basically have to team up, you know, to 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 take on the Indians. And there's a there's a great scene in a cornfield, which is you know where they they uh, or just like a great set piece. Yeah, set piece, great set piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's basically the story. So it's like a buddy movie, I guess. A bit like, I don't know, could be Shanghai Noon. Maybe. Well, well, because that's the thing. <laughs> Obviously, we had Shanghai Noon, which was yeah. made a couple of, sheesh, probably about ten years ago now. Yeah, yeah. We had Shanghai Noon, which had um, Jackie Chan as uh, as a, a warrior or as a guard from the Forbidden City in China, traveling through the American West, West and then he ends yeah. up being. Uh, it sounds like a sim. Uh, well, the similarities to the story. He has to go and rescue like a princess, and Owen Wilson ends up being his ends up being the guy that he gets paired with reluctantly, and they have to like go through this whole thing, and. When that was released, that was seen as a as a novel idea. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my god, oh my, we're gonna take somebody from the far east and we're gonna put like you know we're gonna put kung fu in a western and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's, well, it's, it's funny you should say that because there's that's a sport to mind. There's a Lee Van Cleef spaghetti western yeah. called Blood Money, which is where he teams up with a kung fu man. So yeah, no, yeah, Blood Money, yeah, Lee Van Cleef. So uh, 
in fact, I think I've got some some steals of that, maybe even a poster. But yeah, <laughs> so so yeah, it does happen. But I think with this is is uh, with those films, they're Chinese, and obviously yeah, Red yeah, Sun yeah, is, yeah. is Japanese, but a similar similar sim- similar team up, isn't it? Really, well, someone yeah, from I, the I cowboy think- and a. Yeah, for, for, for and somebody with an martial arts. arts yeah. yeah, so uh, and I can imagine from well, in my head, I would imagine that from uh, from a sort of Hollywood perspective, they'll be like, "Ooh, Far East, Wild yeah, West, West, ooh, yeah. put them together." <laughs> and you see what you get, and but it's just for me, it's just kind of one of those things where when it happened with Shanghai, everybody was like, "Oh my word, this is so novel!" And then to find when you you sort of point out this one, I'm like, "What?" <laughs> 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 I'm like, what? It just, it just sounds, it, it sounds great. So, how does Ursula Andress come into it? Well, basically, she sort of, uh, she's, she's just the girlfriend. So she's like, she's like the girlfriend oh, of, well, of, of the them. Bronson character. Yeah, of the Bronson character. Okay. Yeah, they sort of. So basically, and um, they, she's to do with these Indians. They sort of manage to get her back from. You know, there's this this scene going on where they they actually all team up together. So and then they just all travel together, you know. So, so does she end up being? So was was she captured by them or? Not really captured by them. No, she sort of just teams up with them. You know, she's, she's okay. sees someone along the way who knows. No, no, wait, was, she, the, was she captured by the Native Americans by the Comanche? Oh or? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so when, so they rescue her from the Comanches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the, yeah. okay. Then so, I see, and then she yeah. becomes a love interest. Yeah, in the yeah, film. yeah. Love interest in the film. Yeah, but and um, so. But as I say, the, the Alan Delon character to me is the most. I mean, all these other characters, but Alan Delon, I think his character is is something special. I don't know. I just really. <laughs> <laughs> well, ba- based from the poster, looking at the poster, he looks to be quite dressed up as a, like you know quite the dandy. He's quite the dandy, yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's, he looks like he's dressed up as quite the dandy. He has like the black suit and everything yeah, like that. Frilly, with, like, frilly shirt. Yeah, it looks like, and he has like one of these sort of like almost sort of. What they he just got him boot lace bow ties yeah. and he, he looks like he's just dressed up to the he nines. Does, yeah. Where, whereas Bronson looks like he's more the he's more the, the rugged sort of yeah. dirt, you know the dusty mo- the, dust, the, mo- the, the, the dusty hand. boots yeah cow hands sort <laughs> because of thing. yeah cow like works in the sun all day and yeah. all that but then again that's how Bronson looks full stop <laughs> full stop yeah most of his movies he does doesn't he really yeah he does he does look rugged I mean he looked rugged since he he must have looked rugged when he was like sixteen <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the, um um. As I say, then they laugh about. Oh, Bronson mentions about fighting a man in a skirt, you know, because he goes on because obviously, mm-hmm. it, yeah, because of the samurai, the samurai, the samurai yeah. um, outfit, yeah. Mm. So that which is quite funny, and uh, yeah, the I, I think the climactic scene at the end is for me is really, really quite interesting. I actually, I actually um, looked at they, there's these things on YouTube called, and I know this is really bad called. Um, count and they count how many people each character oh, yeah. shoots in the film <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I of those yeah <laughs> so that was that was um quite funny but yeah i mean what's interesting is this you know the different because you've got a swiss like you say you've got a swiss character in there as well mm-hmm. and well someone from switzerland and, and someone from france and an american and then someone from japan it just yeah, seems like very it's, multicultural it, it really really does <laughs> there's, the only thing they're missing is a black guy uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Which is unusual, really, for for movies because they normally. Uh, well, no, in the, in the, it, this was the seventies. So, yeah. the seventies. So you had, but there was. I mean, Jim Brown. Jim Brown was in a lot of westerns. Yeah, yeah. Jim Brown was in a lot of westerns. What was he? Yeah, Hundred Rifles and um, Guns of Magnificent Seven, and so yeah, no, he was a big big guy. He was. Uh, in quite a few movies around that. Al Condor was another. Lee Van Cleef popping up in that. <laughs> well, um, so the thing with this is that this film, it it. 
so okay you have your spaghetti westerns spaghetti westerns and they have your exploitation movies and all that kind of stuff you have your like your b movies and it seems like it has all the trappings of an exploitation b movie would you call it an exploitation b movie or do you think it's it's like because it seems like it has all the trappings like you hear the story and you think oh this should be like you know a good like you know hour and a half of just fun of like craziness going up but when you hear about the people who are involved you think because the director as well terence young he he terence young he directed three bond movies he yeah. also directed dr no which is yeah. probably how the ursula Endress thing came, came about he directed, yeah. he directed from russia with love which has that great like train fight oh, scene yeah, fabulous he directed thunderball which has one of the most iconic images of bond with the jetpack and all that kind of stuff and uh so this is like a lot of a lot of talent and a lot of a-list quality talent, talent. being put to, behind something that on the face of it looks like it might be a little bit of a b b exploitation movie but what what would you say about well that? my personal opinion i would say it was like a like um an american spaghetti western if you could if so it's, it's got <laughs> i know that sounds a contradiction in terms no, no, but no, it's no. very very it's uh, very very american okay. very very american but right. it's done, you know, some of the it, it, the the scenery and some of the shooting stuff is like spaghetti westerns. But the actual, I would say, far superior really than spaghetti westerns or exploitation films. It's 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 oh, a quality way. film. Okay, so you had your westerns, then you had your spaghetti westerns, which was essentially mostly Italians. Yeah having their view of what they thought the American West was and yeah. was filmed mainly in Spain and stuff like that. That's it. Then you now have the Americans coming over and going, oh, we like the Spaghetti Westerns, so we're going we're gonna to go and make Spaghetti Westerns, which are kind of referencing the films that Americans were making in the first place. <laughs> okay, my head hurts. <laughs> my head hurts. No, it's, it's, I, I would put so it more so as a Western, as, a West, as an American Western rather than a Spaghetti Western or a B-movie Western. Okay. So I would say it's... um. um shot in a nice aspect as well so you you, you know you've got the big scenery you've got some fantastic music so it, it's it's a bit it's a bit cleaner you yeah it's, it's 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 yeah it's quite clean quite a clean movie yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's a bit it's a bit cleaner it's not as gritty because you know like oh, oh that's what i'm looking for sanitized sanitized yeah. like you know you know like you you know when you had your spaghetti westerns mm. you had like if somebody got shot you thought oh my god that guy just got shot sure. and there's like there's gonna be blood and all that kind of stuff and then you had your american westerns where you could like and people are just falling and you throw a bomb and something blows up and people just go up in the sky but you never really get the sense that anybody's getting killed killed <laughs> so is is this one of those or no i would say it's it's a sort of it's, it's an in-between because there are some moments obviously with the sword when he has to he obviously kills dispatches a few people with the sword <coughs> it's not like your graphic exploitation stuff where you know when the throat gets cut it's like oh yeah, yeah and all yeah, the yeah. blood like spurts 20 miles yeah. all over the place and that but there is you know there, there are scenes where like if, if when the sword cuts someone you know you do see the cut so mm-hmm. so it's as i say it's not as i wouldn't call it graphic it's not graphic at all so yeah. but it's and i think that's what makes it really good because it's it's a bit of both, you know. It's like, oh, it's like okay. everything is so cosmopolitan and so. Well, yeah, yeah no, I, I, I'm really, really intrigued by the fact that they have all these different cast people coming together. I think it's. Uh, actually, I've got to see and see how it did and how, yeah, how it did in France. <laughs> all right, cool. But you mentioned the music, and here we have some title music from Red Sun. The title music from Red Sun, so um, please enjoy this.
Yeah, we were just saying as we were listening to that, that that sounds quite, we, we we decided that it sounds like a mixture of, you can hear a bit of spaghetti western in there, I think with the, with the sort of percussion, you can hear a bit of like, almost sort of like good old fashioned wild west, west music, music in there, but it sounds like it's played on a far eastern instrument. It does. So it's, it's kind of like this weird fusion film that they made with everything. It's, it's rough, it was good, I like it, I like it a lot. Um, right, so now we go into the final bit of the show where we talk about um, a film that was made after 1980, but we still think it is a very good film that deserves anybody to actually sort of pick it up and have a look at it. And I'm going to take the honor from you, Sean, of mentioning what film it is that we're going to talk cool. about. Cool, I said, Excellent. Yeah, I said in the um, intro that this is a film that briefly, briefly threatened to bring swords and sandals epics back into fashion, and that film is Gladiator. So this is the Ridley Scott movie that was made. When was it? Two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah, it was made in it was made in the year two thousand, starring Russell Crowe as we'll call him Maximus. I know Maximus. he has he has his full <laughs> name and he has this massive sp- sp- speech that's, halfway that's, through the film <laughs> that that is that it was like one of those things is like when you see Liam Neeson in the Taken movies and like you know I will find you and I will kill you (laughs) becomes like you know it becomes an instant classic quotable thing and I know that he has this scene where he says his full name all that kind of stuff that ends when I will have my vengeance in this year in this world or the next it becomes like an automatic thing but it's the movie Gladiator now at the film at the time this film was made I think it was actually seen as quite a risky thing Mm -hmm. because as we said where, where we we talk about on this show over and over again how you have all these different eras of Hollywood. You have an era where the musical rules and then the Western comes up. And like right now, we're living through like a superhero era. Yeah. Where it's like the superhero movie is it's That's going to be a big blockbuster. <coughs> and there was a time when it was like you had your biblical epics and your swords and sandals. Well, you had your swashbucklers. And you had your biblical epics and your swords and sandals thing. And if it was going to be like, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be gladiators and there's going to be lions and there's going to be a, the arena, the Colosseum shall be where we play out our story and all that. And all this sort of films starring Peter Yusinov <laughs> and stuff like that. And Charlton the, Heston. Yeah, Charlton <laughs> Heston. Yeah, your El Cid's and everything like that. And it's, uh, you had that and then by the 2000 this was no longer the case by 2000 this is no longer the case those sort of films nobody really wants to see like if people are going to walk around with like swords or anything like that we we spoken about and i think we still have to spoke we, we haven't spoken about it in depth cutthroat island oh cutthroat island yeah which Good was movie. yeah which was a couple of years before it was probably about uh, i think probably about six seven years before this 
was an attempt to sort of bring back like the Swash swashbuckler, buckler, yeah. and that didn't work. No, it choked. Didn't yeah, it? that 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 tanked. That it just did, really didn't work. People did not were not up for trying to bring the swashbuckler. Which back. is a shame because it's quite a good movie. <laughs> it is quite a good movie. It's quite I quite like it, and it's then you have Gladiator in two thousand, and then you come up with this film, which is everything about it says. This is a film that should have been made with Charlton Heston in the lead role. <laughs> well, this I guess I guess if you look at um, Russell Crowe, he's I mean, with his Robin Hood and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Master and Commander, he's become the new yeah. Charlton Heston. Yeah, he's, he's kind of he's kind of taken over that role. <laughs> and I, I can't remember what he because at that time I think Russell Crowe was he wasn't because Gladiator was what really made him a list yeah, big time. I yeah. think before this he was kind of up and coming mm-hmm. and you had Ridley Scott and Ridley Scott is known for Alien and Blade Runner and all that kind of stuff but I think before Gladiator I don't really think that there were he was partic- he was known as okay he's no. a really good, he wasn't like a Spielberg that when you say oh a Ridley Scott film people be like oh I'm going to go watch that <laughs> before it, so it was so it was quite and I think it had money problems and all that and then the but by the time when the film released, all of a sudden, everybody started watching this one. Everybody loved it. And everybody thought that the Swords and Sandals epic was back. And I think the, I think following this, his Ridley Scott's next movie was Kingdom of Heaven. I was going to say, was it Kingdom of Heaven? Yeah, 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 it was Kingdom of Heaven, which we spoke about. And I know that there were a whole bunch of other films that came out. There was like, like Troy, wasn't there? And, yeah, Troy came and out. Alexander. Alexander, yeah. Ironclad. Everybody was trying to get in on it. And I think they just didn't think about it well and just kind of... Yeah. S- yeah, and sort of went by the by again. It went by the by again, so that's how we ended up with a remake of Ben Hur, of which we shall not say anymore. <laughs> we shall about. not say anymore. <laughs> but but Gladiator on its own. So it kicks off and it kicks off at the beginning with um this is well I think I think there's a whole bunch of if you look into the history of it, there's uh, there's a Roman Emperor oh what was his name? Commodus. No, no, no. Okay, oh, Commodus's dad. Um that was um, Marcus, Marcus Aurelius. Aurelius. Yeah, Marcus yeah. Aurelius. So it's Marcus Aurelius, and this is his his campaign because you know the Roman Empire spreading their borders, and they're in Germany, and they're fighting this Germanic tribe, and this is like the last the last bit of their campaign. This is the last bit of yeah. resistance, and it starts off with this battle that is this is the final battle, and you get to int- you get introduced to all these different characters. Fantastic Marcus, battle scene, actually. It's a fantastic battle scene, and I think for setting up the scene mm. and for setting up the whole thing, it's a it's brilliantly and it's just so well done. Definitely filmed in the forest of Dean, and it's so uh, and it's so you you get to meet the emperor, you get to meet you get to see his son Commodus, who is going to be emperor like that's what he wants he wants to be emperor yeah. when his dad dies and that's all he cares about but he's not an, he's not a warrior he shows up after the war, battle is over he should and he, like you know see his sister there as well and you get to meet his like he i think you get to meet uh maximus who is his it's yeah. not general that's not what they call those it's yeah i think he is a general is it, is it a general? i think he is yeah because i think there's there's a bit later on in the film where the the where he's like that and is is sort of manservant whatever says general mm. and you know as, as he's going through the thing and he yeah, yeah, says yeah. I'm, I'm okay cool I, I wasn't I sure whether so. I wasn't sure whether the Roman uh, army had generals well but essentially he, uh, he he's essentially in charge of the army uh, yeah that's right yeah he's, yeah. he's like the right hand man of, yeah. of um, yeah maybe, maybe you're right maybe they didn't call him general <laughs> it just seemed to imagine there's there's, yes. there's a bit of the scene where he's walking along and there the, his manservant that was his manservant yeah yeah, yeah he goes general general mm-hmm. and you know yeah, maybe it is general because apart from Centurion, I can't think of any other thing that is particularly, no. particularly, in um, charge of, yeah. well, no, particularly unique to the to the mm. Roman army, to the Roman army during the Roman Empire well, days. They did use a lot of auxiliaries, and I think because he's Spanish, isn't he? He's, I think, is um, 
because Maximus. Maximus Maximus is, is supposed is to be Spanish. Yeah, yeah because yeah. they did use a lot of. I mean, the Roman army. I mean, they obviously used a lot of Romans, but they yeah, used they, a lot of auxiliaries. Just, yeah, and they just brought people in, which which are generally cavalry, because he's like a, a cavalry yeah. general, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. And so, you, so you have this scene at the beginning with, with Russell Crowe, which which has it has. This is one of these things that it has. It, he has this speech, or he he says a couple of different things in there that just sort of like have gone into the general lexicon of people and how people speak. Like I've seen that scene where he's giving that speech. I've seen it played in churches before. I've seen it played in churches before, like you know, as really? part of a sermon yeah. and everything oh, like wow. that. The big way goes, "What we do in life echoes for eternity." <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't where he goes Ooh. but doesn't he say doesn't he say in that on my command yeah, unleash says, yeah, he, hell I, I bit, <laughs> he, the, no that's a that's a different bit oh that's a different that's a, bit where he, I think it's after the speech he goes to oh, one right, he okay. goes like at my signal unleash hell there's a bit there's a speech where he, where he says he's giving the speech to his men before they go into this battle and he goes if you if you find yourself running and if you find yourself in fields and there's nothing before you <laughs> and it's all beautiful then, then don't worry because you're in Elysium and you are already dead <laughs> and it, and it, so it sets up this whole thing that you have this battle and it all finishes and then you find out that Marcus Aurelius uh, yeah Marcus Aurelius is is worried about giving about making his son emperor mm. because he's like no he is not emperor material he's a little bit um he's a little bit weird odd. in the head <laughs> and, and i it's like he's you think okay no he's he's a little bit weird in the head and i think if you ever seen game of thrones he's a little he's a little bit ramsey bolton, bolton. <laughs> he's a little bit ramsey bolton yeah and it's so and so he and he's actually saying no they we've got to stop the empire and we've got to go into a senate we have to go into like a and he but he wants uh, Maximus to be the one to do it so he tells his son this and his son obviously has been looking forward to being emperor his whole life so kills his father and essentially destroys Mar uh, Maximus's life and sells him into slavery which is where he becomes a gladiator and then it becomes almost a bit kind of like Spartacus yeah. where it becomes a bit like Spartacus where he has to learn how to be a gladiator and fight his way to the point where he can have his revenge because that's what it's about because his wife gets killed his his, his kids yeah. get killed essentially this emperor commodus wants to just destroy his life wants to yeah. yeah that's i was just saying going back to the rank they do call him general i think do they because um, i well the gladiators do because um in the scene in the first scene when they're all doesn't he say to me to me and he gets yeah, yeah, them all yeah, organized yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, yeah. that's when he starts his his battle yeah, yeah, yeah. he starts his his journey on becoming this yeah. so the, this film is known for a couple of things it's known for it was the last film that Oliver Reed was in oh, class, yeah class. Oliver Reed actually died while 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 making he, the film so and he plays a great part in this doesn't he yeah he he does he really does he plays he plays the Oh, he's not the gladiator trainer. No, he's, he's the, the, he owns. He's, the, he's yeah, he's the sort of like slave. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a the, slave trader. Yeah, he's a, that's it. He trades. Yeah, he trades. Trades the gladiators. I'm trying to think of his name. It's really annoying me. Yeah, it's I, a great I know. name as well. I, I, it just totally went out of my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just totally forgot what, what his, his name is in the film. <laughs> so and and the but the funny thing about this is that the first time I actually saw Gladiator, I did not like it. You didn't like it. I did not like Why? it. Why? The first, I don't. I think it was overhyped. It's one of these things like when some people just hype something and hype something, and I went in there expecting, and I just remember leaving feeling a bit kind of stale. 
I'm feeling good. Mm, yeah, yeah, big deal. Oh, it's not okay. that good. Great. So it's it's a film, and it, I think it probably wasn't until about the third time that I watched it that I started feeling, okay, this is actually beginning to so flow, and this is beginning to make sense, and this is beginning to get something out of me. But before that, I just kind of thought, oh, yeah, well, whatever, big deal. Uh, I, I, was, I, I, was, I think I think sorry. I like the fights, yeah. the Russell Crowe versus Tiger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think I love that fight in the Coliseum. I was, I was thinking about this because I think perhaps sometimes mood, you know, we talked about mood earlier, mm-hmm, it could depend mm-hmm. on when you go and see a movie or yep. what sort of frame of mind you're in because, you know, like I've really, really hated Batman, <laughs> Superman, but, <laughs> but I've watched it again yeah. and it's not gone down. It's, it's sort of, I wouldn't say it's, it's brilliant or I love it, <laughs> but it's not quite as bad as I remember it being having, having watched it again. So there might be something to do with the mood and Oliver Reed's character was Proximo, wasn't it? Oh, Proximo, Proximo, yeah. yeah what a great name. Sorry, Toad. Yeah, man, and he, he, he has a great in- introduction as well. When the guy, um, uh, there's a character played by Omid Jalili who's like this sort of trader and <laughs> oh, everything yeah, like yeah, that. And yeah, he, goes yeah. up, he goes up to, uh, you just see the shot behind, from behind Proximo and he's just there. And he just grabs him. He grabs him by his crotch and he pulls him and he's like, those camels you sold me. It's uh, like, yeah. that's a <laughs> you, stole, you sold me gay camels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, no, sorry, we'll, we'll fix it. <laughs> and I think it's, it's just like, he, it's just the way he does and he's the one who sort of, he has the line where he says like, you know, you can fight Commodus, but it's like, if you, like, essentially, if you become a gladiator and if you become the best gladiator possible, you will own Rome. You will own the, and whoever owns the crowd in the Colosseum rules Rome. Rules Rome. Yeah. And, and, and there's a bit where he does get to that point and he goes, today I saw a slave become more powerful than the emperor. And, all. Mm-hmm. and so there's all these uh, b- different bits about it. It's, uh, uh, it, it has, and it's one of these films that it aims for an ending that is bittersweet. You're kind of like, yay, but oh, yeah, <laughs> at yeah. the same time. So I think Gladiator, I mean, you put this down as a, as an exception to the rule. I will agree, but it took me a while to get there because the first time I saw it, I was kind of like, it's not as great as everyone's saying. No, no. I, I, <laughs> did you see it sort of fairly late on then, the first for the first time when everybody was... I saw it in the cinema. Right. Okay. I saw it in the cinema, so it was still in the cinema, but everybody had been raving about right, it. Right, okay. Everyone had been mm. raving about it. And I was going in there and everybody was talking about... And I remember yeah, reading reviews in magazines and stuff that were like, oh, yes, finally, the Swords and Sandals movies are back. And I loved those movies. Yeah. I love those movies. Like, you know, the ones that you watch on like a Sunday afternoon or something like that. They just go get into it. And you just sort of like, you know, yes. And I love those movies. And I think it was because people spoke about that they spoke about the sword and sandals thing coming back and i was expecting it to be a little bit like what i didn't you know and it is in some ways and in some ways it really isn't but i uh, think you know that i think that works the other way as well so i can understand that because every it was so good you get you're a little bit let down i think mm-hmm. but then on the other hand when the phantom men has come out the first star was yeah i didn't see that till later on and everybody was going Oh, everybody it was everywhere it rubbish. was rubbish rubbish it's worst rubbish. film ever <laughs> ever seen it right they were turning rubbish and anyway when I finally did get round to see it I thought well it's really not that bad <laughs> <laughs> it's really I quite enjoyed it you know and when I go that I say yeah I quite enjoyed it what you like the first Star Wars <laughs> yeah he means to tell me all these people <laughs> but anyway um, yeah so I mean it probably works works both ways because oh, I yeah. think a film can get overhyped and then you do get let down yeah. and, and I think that was probably the problem with Batman's Dawn of Justice is that because I was so so looking forward to it so excited about the trailers and everything when I finally saw it I 
perhaps felt a little bit let down maybe well you see now with me I wasn't expecting nothing from that film what and from Gladiator you know from from Batman vs Superman, Superman. I, was, I, was, I mean everything I saw before and made me think I'm not sure about this yeah. I think they might mess this up and they did so <laughs> <laughs> they did yeah like, they did but, big time <laughs> but they did I mean there's there's good stuff in that yeah film. there is, there's, there there is yeah. I'm not gonna, there's good stuff in it, but the overwhelming taste of that film just yeah, yeah. but and okay we were, were supposed to be talking about good films yeah so good films yeah. <laughs> films that we'd say like you know, <laughs> exceptions to the rule I'm sad to say Batman vs Superman is not an exception to the rule no however Superman the movie Ooh, Ooh maybe we should we should bring that on one of the f- one of the future shows. Yeah, Superman the movie. Perhaps we should. Maybe yeah. we should. But anyway, right now what we have is some music from Gladiator, and this is the theme from Hans Zimmer, the world famous yeah. German composer Hans Zimmer, and uh, his this was written along with Lisa Gerard. Really, really beautiful, famous piece of music. Hang on a second. I said beautiful, famous piece of music. Yeah, no, you're cute. Yes, so that was the music, a beautiful, beautiful piece of beautiful music. Beautiful piece of music. Yeah, it's just awesome. By Lisa Gerard and um, Hans Zimmer called Now We Are Free from the soundtrack of Gladiator. With that said, time is up here, so we'll just have to say get well soon, get home, watch some films, get better. And remember that as always, they, they don't, don't make, make them like, like they, they used to. to. Good night. I can spare a